Hello, everyone. Whoa, powerful. It's good to see you guys. Uh, my name is Johnny Reeve, one of the pastors here, and I get the joy of opening God's Word with you this morning. Um, I'm normally the person that sings, so I feel a little bit of out, out of place here, but that's okay. We'll be all right. I thought maybe I'd grab the guitar and just hold it while, but I won't, I won't actually do that. Um, and I laughed too. My son on the way to Portico Kids looked and was like, all right, Dad, good luck. So um, go ahead and get your Bibles out or your telephone device that has it on there. Uh, we're going to be in James 1 this morning, uh, looking at verses 19 through 27. Uh, continuing kind of in this, this opening chapter of James. Uh, we started the series last week, and if you weren't here, the context of James, I mean, there's a lot of things, but one of which is, it's really about uh, the life of a transformed believer. Like, what does that look like? What does it look like as we're following Jesus, um, to obey him, to trust him, to see fruit of that in our lives? Uh, and it's almost like a wisdom letter from a parent. Right? He's giving advice to his children, saying, hey, watch out for this, be on guard for that. I've experienced this, don't do that. Uh, and there's some themes we're going to see this morning. One of wholeness, this idea that as believers, we often live fractured lives. And that meaning that, that what we believe and how we live aren't always in accord with one another. Right? So we believe something and then we live differently a lot of the time. And so we want to be brought back into wholeness, that is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, your strength. There's also a theme of deception, this idea that a deception at a heart level, there are hearts deceive us, and they need to be exposed and then transformed by the Word of God. And then lastly, we're, we're talking about the Word this morning, right? We're talking about hearing it, doing it, persevering in it. Um, but I, I just, I felt like I had to say this on the front end. There's a lot of things that pop up in your mind when you hear the Word of God, one of which is quiet time or Bible study or, you know, 30 minutes a day or whatever it is. And that's good. I don't want to make light of that. But when we talk about the Word of God, it should be not just a thing we do, but a way we live, right? So the Word of God is, is following Jesus. It's a way of living. It should affect every part of us. So I don't want to think, or I don't want us to get in this thinking of how should I, you know, engage the Word of God for those 20 minutes or 30 minutes a day, and that's it. It's not just a part of our life. It should be every part of our life. And we're going to see this morning that we want to live a life obeying the Word by receiving the word, by doing the word, and by persevering in the word. So let's read our passage, we'll pray, and then we'll get going. Starting in verse 19, it says this, uh, Know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger, for the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness, and receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he looks like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. And if anyone thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. Pray with me. Our Heavenly Father, we pray that you would help us this morning as we think about 
uh, your word of truth and how we are to receive it rightly and respond to it rightly. We need your help. We can't do that on our own. So we pray uh, that we would have ears that actually hear and understand and eyes that see and actually perceive and, and look deeply and intently into your word. And that you would give us a new heart, the heart you've given us to respond to your, to your word, not to just hear it and then have it fall uh, on deaf ears and do nothing with it. That you'd actually uh, encourage us in our, in our lives and in areas where we're inconsistent and we need to be corrected. Now we thank you for your word. Nothing else can do this work in us. We thank you that this, you've given us your word to expose us, to show us inconsistencies, but also to change us and transform us. We pray all of this in your name. Amen. All right, let me ask you a question. When is the last, think about the last time somebody called you out, right? Okay, the last time you had sort of a confrontation with somebody. Uh, maybe never, but I, I would safe to assume we've all had that at one point in time. Maybe it was, you, you know, messed something up at work. Or maybe it was a spouse or a friend kind of calling you out about a character flaw. Maybe you just did something rude. Maybe you just got a, a ticket from a police officer. Last time you sort of got corrected or called out. How did you respond to that? Just thinking about how you responded when you're getting called out. Did you uh, roll your eyes? Oh, it's happening again. Did you uh, just completely disagree? Did you um, start pleading your case and justifying why you did what you did? Did you just tune them out altogether? Or did you actually take it to heart and listen? The reason I ask that is because how you respond to that has everything to do with how you respond to God's word. Right? Because oftentimes God's word will confront us on how we're living and confront us about uh, what we believe and how we're actually walking that out. We actually need to engage it. Right? So we're, we see this morning that we want to live a life obeying the word through receiving the word, through doing the word, through persevering in the word. So the first thing we see starting there in verse 19 is the idea of receiving, right? It says, to be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. And we get to the end and it says, so that we can receive with meekness the implanted word. So we have these three encouragements that James gives us, right? Be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. And the first thing I hear, uh, I hear and think of is that he's encouraging in something that's probably not natural for you to do. Right, saying, be quick to do this, because your natural tendency is probably not to do that. Right, be quick to hear, because I don't know about you, but I'm, I'm quick to speak. Right, have you ever met somebody that's sort of a know-it-all? Maybe it's you. I'm sort of that person sometimes. You know, right, the person at community group that like, raises their hand to say something before the question's done. Right? We're, we're quick to do that. We're quick to insert our opinions or our ideas, to make a judgment. We think we're the authority on everything. It's funny, like we even think we know more than people that have gone to school for years and years in certain fields, right? We Google things and we're like, you know what? I know how medicine works, uh, right? We tell doctors what they should do, etc. We are the authority or we think we are in everything. Yet we're told here to be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. And what this is describing is somebody that's a, a, an active listener in receiving God's word. So active listening is different than just hearing. I know that's the word that's used here, but the idea of hearing, you're not just going through the motions and checking off the box. My ears are working, I'm hearing sounds, people are talking, great. 
It's actually listening, actively listening. And the difference there is that active listeners are listening for understanding. They're listening to retain information. We actually want to understand God's word. We actually want to retain it in our hearts, walk with it. And you can't really do that if you're speaking. There's an interruption there. If you even think about the context of James, the way that they communicated God's word was through oral tradition, right? Somebody's up here speaking. We didn't have Bibles, so no one's like reading along. So if you're speaking, you're interrupting what the word is trying to do. So we need to be people that are quick to hear. We're actively listening. We're understanding God's word and retaining it. And you think about slow to speak and slow to anger, it also exposes where our heart is. Right again, we think we're the authority on everything. We're not in a, a place where our heart is uh, teachable. Right? We want to be people that are following Christ, this idea of an apprentice. We're, we're following, we're watching what he's doing, we're listening to how he's explaining things. But instead, if we're speaking all the time, uh, we're not in a place where we're actually humble and we're actually able to receive it all. The last one was a little bit of a head-scratcher, I'm going to be honest, but slow to anger. Uh, I think part of that as well in here is that uh, anger, when we're angry, uh, maybe it's because we're being called out, maybe it's because we're being exposed. Uh, our heart is not in a place where we want to learn either. We're arguing, we're defending rather than listening and responding rightly. And if you also think about, this is actually sadly very true in the, in the context of church, Oftentimes, people are more concerned with getting their opinion across and fighting about it and holding to it than actually hearing God's word and what it's trying to communicate. So we think about, you know, we, we learn in the, the context of community, right? We have community groups, Bible studies, even here to a certain extent. And so if people are angry and they're fighting about what, what the right opinion is, the right uh, take on a particular passage is, you're not in the heart posture to learn. You're not ready to receive. And what's more is you're actually taking the opportunity away from others, too. I guess if you're creating a, a, a fight about something, if you're arguing, if you're angry, you're ruining people's opportunity to learn and receive as well. So we need to be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. We don't want to be the, the prideful person that thinks we know it already. And then you see verse 21 is sort of a summary statement of all of those things. And it says, therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word. So it kind of gives us a window into what we're supposed to do in order to receive. So we need to be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. And we also need to remove, get rid of the sin that's in our lives because that's in tension with obeying the word of God. Right? We actually can't do what we're supposed to do in receiving the word if we have sin in our lives. It's sort of uh, warring with that. So he tells us to get rid of it. The, the word there is almost like changing your clothes, right? You're putting off of the old self, the old clothes, and you're putting on the new clothes, this kind of metaphor that Paul uses often as well. And so I thought about it in, in the context of um, what's remaining in us, right? When we're given new life in the word, we still have sin in us. We still have old ways of thinking, old ways of doing, old ways of acting, right? Old motives, old desires that are in contrary with God's way. So we have to get rid of those. But we also have to get rid of sin that is revealed by the Word of God, right? As we go into God's Word, we see things, characteristics, attitudes, actions that we can't, we can't do if we're following Christ. So we have to get rid of both, remaining sin and revealed sin, as we're exposed by the Word of God. Uh, I thought about it in the, the uh, illustration of like a house. Let's say you go and you buy a new house. 
great. We're excited about it. You walk in, and the old tenant has left a bunch of trash everywhere. And so you're like, okay, I'll just, it's fine. I'll just set up my bedroom on top of the trash, and I'll set up my kitchen on top of the trash, and I'll set up everything on top of the trash, and I'll just deal with it, right? No, you'd never do that, right? Well, I hope not. That would be totally weird. Uh, you'd, you'd get rid of it. That actually happened to my brother. He moved in, there was trash everywhere. He didn't leave it. He got rid of it. You move it out, right? It's a new house. This is your house. You move it out so uh, everything's clean and good and the way it should be. And then to kind of continue that illustration, right? That's the remaining sin. Then the revealed sin. Let's say you're like, you know what? Let's redo this bathroom. I make it new. So you tear it down to the studs. And then you find out that all the pipes are clogged. You're not like, okay, well, that's too bad. I'm just going to build a beautiful bathroom on top of the clogged pipes. No, you wouldn't do that. You'd fix the problem. You'd uh, make sure that those pipes were working the way that they should be working. So as, as sin is revealed to us, you actually uh, apply the Word of God and take care of it. You remove that sin out of your life so that you're actually able to receive the Word of God, as we're called to do. Right, so we have to get rid of the remaining sin in our life and the revealed sin. And I think part of the assumption here, too, the deception that we kind of see uh, is that we just assume that that's not there. Right? But the assumption of the word here is that there is sin that's present there. We, we choose to ignore that, or we choose to numb that, or we choose to avoid it. And the Bible says we can't serve two masters, so we can't straddle the fence here. It's a lot like uh, we were talking about in our last series, where we can't sow to the flesh and sow to the spirit. We can't really do that. It doesn't really work. Eventually you say, I'm going to pick one. Right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to choose my way or I'm going to follow God. We can't do both. Eventually you'll love one and you'll hate the other. We need to receive the word and it says with humility. I think the first part of that is the, the humble part is that we're in need. Right? There is sin in our life that the word exposes. So we actually need to deal with that and we actually are in need and we can't really deal with it on our own. We need the word of God to help us. We need the spirit of God inside of us to help us. And it says there in verse 21, to, we, to receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save our souls. That, that word implanted made me think of the parable of the sower. Remember that one? Uh, so the sower goes out and he throws seed everywhere, and it falls on four different places. Right? It falls on the path, the rocks, the thorny soil, and the good soil. The path is Satan snatching the word from us before we can actually receive it. The rock is uh, it gets choked out, the roots don't grow, and we wither because we're uh, dealing with persecution and suffering. The thorns were choked out by the cares and desires of the world, riches, etc. And then the good soil is the soil that grows, right? And then you see fruit. And it's funny, actually, if you look at that passage uh, in Matthew 13, the disciples hear that parable and they come to him and they're like, why are you saying, why do you use parables? You're telling these stories. And he says something very haunting, right? Jesus says, because hearing you don't hear, and seeing you don't see. So, he's saying you hear, but you don't actually hear. And you see, but you don't actually see. But rather, he wants us to have ears to hear, that, that actually hear, that actually understand, and see, and actually perceive what's right in front of us. So the question being there is, if we're to receive with meekness, the word, the implanted word, what's the state of the soil of your heart? Right? Thinking about being quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. Is, you, is the soil of your heart ready to receive the word of God? Or do you just think you, you're fine, you don't really need it, you're good? 
You think you've got it all figured out. You're not really in need. There's not really any sin in your life. There's just some, maybe some uh, bad intentions, but you're really kind of a good person. And then the, the, honestly, kind of the pivot part of this whole text is that last phrase in verse 21, where it says, the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. Right? This is where we can kind of step back and we can see deception at play. We can see this idea of wholeness and loving the Lord with all, our whole heart at play. Because that, that phrase is, there's an assumption there that our soul's in danger, Right? There's an assumption there that our soul is in need of, of something that we can't provide for ourselves. Saving, right? But I don't know that we'd say that. No one walks around saying, ugh, my soul needs saving, right? Please help me. We just don't think that. We think we're fine. We go about our day, and sometimes we do some bad stuff, and we feel bad, but, you know, it's just stuff we do. We don't actually think that we're in need of saving. But the tension here is that if we actually believe that, if we actually believe that our soul is in need, soul is in danger, we need saving, then we're going to do everything that this text says. Right? We're going to receive, we're going to do, we're going to persevere. But if we don't, we don't believe that, we won't. And we'll walk away. And we remember that uh, obeying the word leads to life. But walking away from the word, that's verse 15 in the text last week, it leads to death, right? Sin Matured leads to death. We think we have some middle ground there, but we don't. We think we can kind of listen and, you know, just hang out there. But you're either obeying God's word by receiving, doing, persevering, or you're not. There's no middle ground. You're going one way or the other. So I'd ask you to think about it. Are you receiving God's word? Do you spend time in God's word? Do you love it? Do you have joy in it? Do you actually have a heart posture that wants to listen, wants to learn, actually wants to be exposed? No one really wants that, but it's so good that the Word of God reads us and knows us, tells us where we're wrong, confronts us on how we should be living. We need to receive the Word of God. We also need to do the Word of God. We need to live a life obeying the Word by doing the Word which sounds obvious, and yet we often don't do that. Right, verse 22, it says, Be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourself. Right, we, we believe that the word is ultimate truth. If that's true, then it demands a response. Right, we're truth receivers, but we have to respond to that truth. We can't do one without the other. They go together. They go together. Imagine this. Who likes going to restaurants? Don't lie. Yes, amen. Me too. So imagine you're going to your favorite restaurant, right? Get ready, you go. You sit down, get the menu, reading it. Waiter or waitress comes over and they read all the specials and the appetizers and the desserts and the drinks, and it all sounds delicious. And then after all that happens, you get up and you leave. Right? No, we wouldn't do that. Right? You'd actually stay, you'd order food, you'd eat it, you'd actually take action. It's a sort of a silly example, but we do this, church, all the time. We read convicting things in God's Word and we say, that was a cool idea. I'm going to go to work. Right? 
ooh, I actually don't like that. I'm going to walk away now, right? We do that all the time. And we read it and we say, it's nonsense. I would never do that. I would do the word. Hearing and doing go together. Receiving God's word and responding to it in an action go together. They always do. And then what's nice is when the Bible gives you its own illustration, praise his name. So the next verse gives us that illustration, right? It says, if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself, goes away, and at once forgets what he was like. That's always, I remember this story as a kid. It always bothered me. So this guy walks up, looks at himself in a mirror intently. So he's not just like, got it, right? He's looking intently. He's really paying attention. And then he walks away and at once forgets what he looks like. So the, the idea there is that he's looking and seeing himself for who he is, right? That natural face is like your face from birth, who you are. Right? And when you see yourself in a mirror, you see everything. Mirrors don't lie. Right? So you see everything, all the good, all the bad. And so this man sees all that, and then he walks away, and he forgets. So why does he do that? So I think there's two parts there we have to break apart. One is walking away. Why does he walk away? Why does he forget? Why do we walk away? It could be just ignorance, right? He, he says he forgets. He just... He's ignorant, okay, so I walk away. It doesn't seem like a big deal, what I saw. Uh, it also is probably conceit or narcissism, right? He looks and says, I don't see any problem there. I look good. I don't do anything wrong, right? There's no problems I see. Another one that I think is a tendency for us is we look and we see and we just rebel. I am a rebellious person. I have what adults call an authority problem. Uh, and so when people tell me, don't touch the oven, I say, let's see if that's true, right? And we, we find out. Wait, we are rebellious in our hearts. Maybe just me, I don't think so. And so we see stuff and we say, oh, looking at myself in the mirror, I look messed up. But I don't care. I'm not going to deal with that. It's not a problem. Everyone else is too, whatever. Or maybe you look in the mirror and you see the things that you need to give up. You see the things you need to surrender and walk away from, and it's just too much. It's too high of a cost. You're just unwilling to do it. It reminds me of the uh, story of the rich young ruler. You know that story? This rich bro comes up to Jesus and was like, how can I inherit eternal life? Jesus says, well, you know, do the law. And he's like, okay, so, you know, all the Ten Commandments, right? Have no other gods before me, right? Don't make any images, uh, and any other graven images, right? Uh, honor your father and mother. Don't murder. Don't steal. I'm d I've been doing that since I was a kid. And then Jesus says, okay, well, sell everything you have and give it to the poor. What does he do? He does it. No, he doesn't do it. He walks away. He doesn't even try. He doesn't even start. And the deception there, the, the exposing point there is that he said, I've, I've been doing it. No, he hasn't. Because he valued his wealth above God. He was worshiping what he had above God. He wasn't even actually doing it. That's the deception, right? That's why we walk away. When we walk away, we actually see that the word is not in us. We haven't received it at all.
And the, the scary part about that story is, so he walks away and then he forgets, right? He forgets what he looks like. Because once you walk away from the truth, you forget the truth. Once you walk away from the word, you forget the word. Because it's not in you, you haven't received it. So we want to be one who hears and does. So that's a negative example. Then we have the positive one. Amen. Right? So this is the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts. He will be blessed in his doing. So this person looks into the perfect law, the law fulfilled by Jesus. It's the law of liberty. It's actually freedom. Right? We are freed from the law of sin and death, the law we could never keep in the first place, the law that you go and read the Old Testament, Israel just kept screwing up over and over and over again. And then Jesus came and fulfilled the law and perfected it on our behalf. So now the law is not a curse. Now the law is not slavery. Now the law is freedom. This person looks at it, and what does it say? It perseveres. Now this is not a fun process. You're looking in the mirror saying, I am a flawed, sinful human being. I need Jesus. My soul is in danger and in need and in need of saving. Instead of saying, ah, just, I don't, that's too much. I don't want to deal with that. We keep going. We persevere. We keep continuing in that process and obeying God's word through receiving it and doing it, taking action to the things God has called us to action on. Right? This is what it looks like to be transformed by the gospel, hearing and doing, receiving, taking action. And the word brings freedom. It brings blessing. That doesn't say that his life is perfect. It says he's blessed in his doing. So as he is taking action on these things, as he's following Christ, he's blessed. And there's joy in that too. I hope that we find, I want you to hear this, that like the, the exercise of engaging God's word should be just this horrible negative process. Right? There's joy in it too, but there's also joy in being known. There's joy in, in the word seeing us and exposing us, but also bringing us into the light and actually molding and shaping our life how God wants it to be. There's joy there, there's hope there. And you see this theme of wholeness, right? Now we're not living two lives. We're not trying to sow to the flesh and sow to the spirit. We're not trying to do both. But we're loving the Lord with our whole heart because we're continuing in his word and obeying it, taking action on it. Reminds me of uh, Psalm 1. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on it, he meditates day and night. He's like a tree planted by streams of water. It bears fruit in season. Its leaves don't wither. And in everything he does, he prospers. Church, that's who we want to be. Right? We love the Lord with our whole heart. Bear fruit. All right, so we want to live a life obeying the word by receiving and by doing. And the last is persevering. There's deception ahead again. Right? Verse 26 says, If anyone thinks he's religious and does not bridle his tongue, he deceives his heart. Right? So we fall into a deception when we think that we can put on a religious front and do all this stuff without actually giving Jesus our heart. And that's the tricky part, is we can actually pretend or feign doing all of this stuff on the outside when our heart is far from God. Right? It's Matthew, Matthew 15. Right? You honor me with your lips, but your hearts are far from me. 
right? To have wholeness as we love the Lord with our whole heart, not part of it, not sometimes, not with just the outside. They list, James lists these three categories where you can't really hide your heart. You can try, but you're exposed pretty quickly, right? So the first is our tongue, like how we speak. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So we, sh- we show where our heart is by how we use our words. We need to persevere in receiving the word and doing the word and taking action in this category and others because we want our heart to wholly love God, completely love God. And so we need to persevere. We have, oh gosh, a thousand opportunities a day with our mouth to be gentle instead of angry, to tell the truth instead of lying, to be compassionate instead of judging. Right? So with our words. The, the next is with our resources. Right? He says, religion pure and undefiled is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction. But our heart is exposed when it comes to our stuff. Where our treasure is, there our heart is also. And so our heart gets exposed once again. We have to persevere because we're so quick to keep our stuff, to keep control. Rather than just seeing... Uh, and persevering and being transformed by the word of God and giving it away. Like the idea of the rich young ruler, right? He, it was too high of a cost. I didn't want to do it. I didn't want to give up what I want, the life I'm building, to give to, to others, to protect the oppressed. And yet this is, I mean, it, it was in the law. That was, there was literally in, in uh, the law of Moses to take care of widows and orphans, the, the people that were oppressed, that couldn't provide for themselves. It's the character of God, right? The father to the fatherless. It was every aspect of Jesus' ministry to care for the sick, and the isolated. So this is something we need to persevere in as well because our heart gets exposed that we want what we want. We actually don't want what God wants. And the last is purity. Right? To keep oneself unstained from the world. Blessed are the pure in heart, they will see God. God really cares about how we live our life, that we're living in a pure way and following him. We need to persevere in that, to see our heart transformed, to live in wholeness with how God's called us to live. So this has to do with how we work, how we entertain ourselves, how we behave and act and think when no one's watching. We need to live a life obeying the word through receiving the word, through doing the word, and through persevering in the word together. So how do we do this? If I'm sitting in your seat, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking, gosh, that was a lot to do. I don't know that I can do all that. Or maybe you're just saying, it's too overwhelming, this is too much. Maybe you're saying, I want to obey, obey all that. I actually truly do. But uh, I'm afraid of what I'll lose, what it'll cost me. Or maybe you're saying to yourself, I've tried all that before, and I just keep failing. I can't do it. We can live the life that God has called us to live. We can obey the word because Jesus has done this for us, right? He's obeyed the word perfectly on our behalf. Jesus obeyed the law perfectly. He fulfilled the law. Jesus is the living word. Jesus' whole life in ministry is about obeying the will of the Father, right? According to the word of God, he lived for us. He died for us. He resurrected for us so that he could give us new life and a new heart. 
that actually wants to obey and wants to follow God, has new motivations, new loves, new desires. And they're all for him and what he wants in his way. And what's more, we have the spirit inside of us that actually allows us to obey. We can do it by the spirit's help. We can obey, not perfectly. So can we do it perfectly? No, but Jesus done it perfectly for us. Does that mean we have to do nothing? No. Right? We, we have to follow God. We still have to live a life that's pleasing to him. That's the freedom in receiving the word, doing the word, persevering in the word. Right? It's verse 25. Be, who, uh, be the one who looks into the perfect law of liberty and perseveres being not just a hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, and he will be blessed. And what do we do when we fail? It's verse 21. Put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word. We confess, we repent, and we receive with humility the word of God. So church, persevere in this. And we'll be made whole in Christ. That's what I want. Psalm 1, that's what I want. I want us to, to stop living fractured lives and instead live a life that loves God with our whole heart, whole soul, all of our mind, all of our strength. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you teach us and instruct us, that you give us new life in the word of truth and that uh, this, this word that we continue to walk in knows us, it sees us, it teaches us, it trains us, it corrects us, it rebukes us. So that we can be made in your image, God, so that we can be transformed, rather, and we can be um, in freedom as we follow you, so we can be changed. Pray that you'd help us to do that this morning. There's areas of our life I know that pinged in all of our brains as soon as we heard it, they were like, oh gosh, okay, I need to give that up. I need to get rid of that. I need to be obedient here. I need to listen there. I need to take that to heart. I pray that we would truly do that. And God, I pray that you would be faithful as you promise to actually cause transformation in our lives. That we would see the fruit of faith as we love you and we trust you and we engage your word together. And we thank you that we don't have to be perfect, God, that you've been perfect for us and that we can um, faithfully follow you in obedience because of that. We love you. It's in your beautiful name we pray. Amen.